surprised if something supernatural happens. We're in church and we're surprised that Jesus shows up and something happens, you know? We are kind of surprised and such. I know some people, I appreciate Brenda Terry, because Brenda Terry is probably the, the most harmless person on the face of this planet. She's got the best heart and a good heart, and for her to get and hold on to a microphone was the biggest step of her life. You know, because when people, you know, some people love to take this microphone. I don't know if anybody in the house would like to take this from me, but I've been in services where people are eager to get the microphone. And it, and, and it wasn't the pastor. But when someone is apprehensive about it and they stretch themselves, and Brenda, I appreciate your testimony because that took guts. That took boldness. That took boldness to say something and to give a word. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad that you're here today. I'm so glad that Jesus is your Lord. Is Jesus your Lord? Amen. Amen. How many are glad that you're alive because of Jesus and because of him? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm not doing preacher rhetoric here. I just want to kind of stir up something within you. Has the Lord done anything in your life this week? Raise your hand, huh? Hmm? Mm -hmm. Have you seen the handiwork of Christ in your life every day, every day, every day? He manifests himself in so many different ways. And that's why we're here today to give him praise, to glorify him for who he is and what he means to each and every one of us. I'm still on bold confession. I'm still on this thing about saying something, doing something. This year our vision is bold. And to be bold, there has never been such an attack on the church of Jesus Christ in this century than what is happening right now. Jesus is coming back soon. There are things that happen that are stepping stones to that event to take place. So what are we supposed to do about that? Well, first of all, we ought to be really excited about it that the Lord's coming and that we also ought to be bold with the commission that he's given us as children of God you're on a mission sent by God you're on a mission of the Lord he sent you to talk to those around you to reach out to people around you and to influence to be an influencer in the kingdom of God so I'd like for you, if you would, would you turn with me to Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 4. Acts, chapter 4. I want to challenge you that in your devotions, if any way possible, to turn to the tangible word. Because I was just thinking, there's a whole lot of forces around us that are dealing with the digital world and influences. And I think we need to, once again, touch the word and the book. Encourage, I want to encourage you to do that. I know that sounds old-fashioned. I've got my iPad with my notes on it and some scriptures. But the Lord has laid it on my heart that God's people need to turn to the tangible word, the written word on pages, and touch it, feel it, turn to it. Look to it that way, and nothing else can be shown on the screen. Nothing else can appear except maybe what God's going to speak to you. This is the season for personal devotions. 
We ought to be carrying through. I, I've heard so many Christians talk about during the pandemic, I just got so close to God, I read my Bible more than ever before. Well, don't stop. Don't, this isn't the cooling off season, my friends. This is the get up and go season. Amen. I'm glad. I don't know about you, but I plan on going on vacation. Anybody around here plan on going on vacation? Oh, my gosh, there will be people doing this this morning. Because I'm free. I'm free. I'm going to go somewhere and do something. And that's good. That's good. You need to do that. You need to get away. Get up and go. But I will tell you that this is a get up and go season for the kingdom of God and for God's people to go out and reap the harvest because the fields are white and ready for harvest. The fields are white and ready for harvest. I'm going to repeat it one more time for sensational purposes and for uh, making it clear. The fields are white and ready for harvest. If you got a down and out boring Christianity, it's because you haven't discovered your purpose. Your purpose is to love God and to serve him, but he's got a purpose for you to do something and to win people into the kingdom of God. There's nothing more dynamic and incredible than to lead people to Jesus Christ. You start realizing, hey, I'm in this kingdom for a purpose, not to just hold on until Jesus comes or hold on until finally I die and make it into heaven. That's going to be a long and arduous, uh, long journey for you. But if you make something of it and you occupy till it comes, Occupy me. I'm claiming new territory. I'm taking over spots and places. I'm going to reach other people. I'm going to talk to people. I'm going to share Jesus to other people. Then I will tell you, it will shift your Christian life into a new dynamic where that you'll have the Holy Spirit anointing. You will have God speaking to you, God speaking to you, and God speaking through you. If you'll do that, can I get an amen out of that? Amen. Praise the Lord. Give me, give me a, a Rodney Pike Church of God wave. All right. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask you, Lord, that you help me, God, to be able to declare your word and be able to inspire your people. Your wonderful people serve you, Lord. And we're all in this together, God, to serve you with all our hearts. God, anoint this word. Help me, Father to be the man that you want me to be in you, Lord. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Amen. Are you with me in Acts chapter 4? Good, just hold on there for a moment. To know where we are at this point in context and scriptural count, let's look at the previous chapters to see how we arrived at Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 1, we know Jesus ascends into heaven. The disciples are watching him, looking up into heaven, and then two angels are, as they're looking up in the sky and trying to spot Jesus a little bit longer in the clouds, that they, these two angels tell them, he said, he's coming back. He's coming back, and why stand you gazing into the heavens? He's coming back. In essence, the angels were saying, he's coming back. Get busy. Go start doing what he told you to do. Why stand here gazing into the heavens? This same Jesus is going to come back in like manner. And in his glory. So he said, in other words, the angels were saying, why are you looking up there? You can't get anything done looking up there. And so he says, go on and get busy in essence. And why stand here looking up? And while they went and they gathered in Jerusalem, they uh, tarried there in the upper room like Jesus told them to go into that upper room. The same room that they had the Lord's communion. The same room where they experienced Jesus washing the saints of his disciples. 
The same room where they laughed together, fellowshiped together, prayed together, worshiped together. And somehow when they gathered in there, they knew somebody was missing, but they knew somebody was there. That Jesus was there with them. They're going to follow through with what he told them to do. And so they're there in that upper room. That's Acts chapter 1. And then while they're there in that room, they decide while they're praying and waiting for the promise, Jesus promised, they decide to hold a meeting to get Judas's replacement. You know, Judas the one who went and hang, hanged himself. And, and, and now there's a new spot available where someone else is willing to die. <laughs> some churches have votes and if I were to have a vote in this church to replace somebody, bring somebody in and, and, and the stipulation would be who's willing to die oh there'd be a lot of people putting their name in wouldn't they you know, I think it would really kill the political aspect of a church trying to be in the political world if they said okay uh, who is willing to die so Matthias was willing. They cast lots of Judas, uh, another one, uh, and Matthias. Matthias there was chosen at Judas's replacement. Chapter 2, we know that while they were in one mind and one accord, they had been praying, they'd been seeking the Lord, they'd been there for 10 days. That on the day of Pentecost, when it come, the promise is sent. And then after the promise is sent, and the big explosion, and the shout and the speaking in tongues, the cloven tongues as a fire fell down upon them, exploded in the room, landed on each one of their heads, and then they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance that the noise was abroad, and people out in the streets were wondering what's going on, these crazy Galileans. They're all drunk, but then you know the scripture, what happens in Acts chapter 2. They go and move the upper room experience out to the street. And Peter begins to preach to them and tell them about Jesus Christ, whom they crucified. And while he preached, 3,000 were saved that day in the streets of Jerusalem. God still wants to move in people's lives. God still wants to save people. Power of Pentecost, the priority is not, is not that we might have a good time together. But the power and priority of the power of Pentecost is that we might be witnesses. Because Jesus is in, he's a harvester. You know, he's already sowed the seed, now he's ready to harvest. He's ready to win souls. Do you have anybody in your life that's lost? Do you have anybody in your family that's lost? Do you, do you have a neighbor that's lost? Do you have co-workers that are lost? Then I say, maybe you need to ask God, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Because I know your heart is to win the loss. Can I get an amen out of that? And if you'll do that, that anointing of the Holy Ghost will flow through you and God will speak through you. That's in Acts chapter 2. And there the 3,000 are added to the church on that day. And then, and then, and then, and then it says they went house to house having fellowship and worshiping together and serving the Lord and then they also sold their possessions that they might begin to give to the poor and begin to minister to the needs of people I know that's contradictory to the selfish society we live in now everybody's interested what am I going to get out of something the God, God, uh, God who sits on the throne and the Savior came to save us come to change our mindset and say what can I do for others that's God's kingdom. Chapter 3. Peter and John goes to the temple at evening time, the evening sacrifice to pray. They go there, and going there, you know the account of Scripture. In chapter 3, they pass a man, a layman, lying there at the gate called Beautiful. 
asking, seeking, maybe he might receive something from them, asking of alms. But Peter there, having absolutely nothing, but also possessing everything, stood before him, fastened his eyes upon him, and said, and said these classic words, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. What we need is some physical demonstration, illustration. You talk about illustration sermons. You talk a, a far better than setting up a bunch of rocks with eyeballs on them on Palm Sunday and, and doing some noodles and doing some crazy things and illustrations. Those things are fun. But when you got a walking, talking, former blind man jumping up and down praising God, then I'll tell you what a demonstration, an illustrated sermon of what the name of Jesus Christ can really do in this world. That's chapter 3. And the Bible says that while Peter was preaching, many started to believe. And, and then suddenly the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees, they seized them. And now we come to our text in chapter 4. Because I want you to see where chapter 4 is at, what's going on. We see in chapter 4 they've been seized. They've been arrested. They've been thrown into prison. They've been sit there. And they've got to sit there. Let's go to Acts chapter 4, verses 5 through 14. Then we're going to jump to 1821. And it came to pass on the, say, the next day. On the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest and Caiaphas, John and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they ask, who's them? Peter and John. Set them in the midst. They ask, by what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to this helpless man, here he is, he's still jumping up, them dancing, dancing. Yeah, look at me, look at me. <laughs> Maybe even doing the moonwalk, which he'd never ever done before. Hey, listen, I'm not being facetious here. I'm telling you, if you were lame and could not walk and could not get around, and suddenly Jesus heals you, what would you do? You get crazy saved, you know what I mean? You get crazy in the Lord. <laughs> Let it be known to you all, in verse 10, to all the people of Israel, that's a declaration. That by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom, you, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders. I'm glad he didn't just say builders. It's you builders. Somehow I, I just believe maybe Peter's finger was pointing. You builders. Which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Let that ring in our pluralistic society today. 
that we're embracing all types of false gods and false religions, let it be known today to this world, to humanity, to everyone in this room, the people out in the streets, all of Gallia County, the state of Ohio, the United States of America, and throughout the world, there is no other salvation but by the name of Jesus Christ. We are living in a pluralistic society about religions. Oh, we're wise. We're so smart. We embrace all these religions because we're so intelligent. But we're not. We're blind. We're blind. Only Jesus is the way to God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. Only through Jesus Christ. Now, you say, well, that's pretty dogmatic of you and demanding well, I'm just glad that God provided a way. He provided, and if you don't want to go that way, that's up to you. If you want to drive around in, in life constantly lost and not using heavenly GPS to get you where you need to go, and you refuse the wisdom of God's word, then you just go on and keep wandering out there, okay? But I want to be on the right road. I want to go in the right direction. I want to end up in the right destination, and I want to live for the one who lives and lives forevermore. Hallelujah. I'm feeling pretty good. Praise God. Verse 18. We'll skip down. So they called them and commanded them. They had a little conference to decide what to do with these two guys. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you, more than to God, you go on and judge. What do you think about that? For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, they, so when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people since they all glorify God for what had been done. No splitting of religious hairs there. God gets the glory. And so they said, we're not going to touch this. We're going to leave this alone because we're supposed to serve God. We're going to leave this thing alone. In the scripture we read, there they were. They were arrested the night before. There was no night court going on. And so they threw them in there intentionally that there isn't any night court going on. They knew this and they set them. And on the next day, the scripture says, they set them in the midst. In other words, after a long night to think things over, then surrounded them with judges that were ready to condemn, I'm telling you, that's intimidation. That's intimidation, okay? Intimidation can be instant or a slow, agonizing wait that allows fear to have time to creep into your space. You ever been that long, agonizing wait? And the devil's trying to use it. He's trying to intimidate you, making you wait long, all night long. 
intimidating, persecuting, putting you down. There's time to imagine what is going to happen to you during that time all night long. You sit there, man, they killed Jesus. They're going to kill me. I don't know how we're going to get out of this one here. I don't know how we're going to get through this. this. These are thoughts that the enemy wanted them to think about it. But I want you to know that in that time to imagine what is going to happen to you is also that time is opportunity to see things that don't exist. We imagine it. It's just going to be bad. But if you have time to fear the worst, then you have time to pray. Oh, if you've got time to fear the worst, then you've got time to pray. Allowing God to fill that space where fear tries to nudge in. There were two ways Peter and John could have exited that prison cell the next morning. When they were called to stand before the court. Intimidation could be the victor. And they would have decided to stay safe and agree to the ruling of the court and shut up about all this about Jesus. Or on the other hand, as we read in Scripture, they come out of the cell full of the Holy Ghost as Peter and John were full of the Holy Ghost. You may have your moment of intimidation that comes upon you you can be intimidated or you can decide that through the name of Jesus Christ, I'm going to pray. I know who my Redeemer is. I know who God is. I'm not going to be intimidated. I'm going to walk out of this cell in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. God is for me. He's not against me. And the Holy Ghost just don't move in the church house. The Holy Ghost will move in the prison house. Amen. Amen. <laughs> they were full of the Holy Ghost. She said, well, will you see that scripture with them? Next thing to come out of Peter's mouth, he was full of the Holy Ghost and he began to speak. He didn't say anything. He didn't moan about anything. He didn't tell them, listen, I'm going to apply to the prison board and I'm going to put an application of lawsuit so that you're going to change the prison environment. He didn't say, I know my rights and I'm going to do that. No, I'll tell you what he did. He come out and he was full of the Holy Ghost and spoke to a, a, a group of people that could put them to death, but in the Holy Ghost, you're already dead. God is already taken over you and it doesn't matter matter what men may do to you. That's why Jesus says it's expedient that I go to send you another comforter which is the Holy Ghost. And this Holy Ghost is not a good feeling. It's a blessed assurance. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, it's deep my friend. It's not shallow. It's deep. It's deep this baptism of the spirit and the power of God. And the Lord's wanting to take you into deep places. You, you come out of this pandemic and wondering, you know, where am I going to go from here? I'll tell you where you go. You step out of the world environment of intimidation, step out in power of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but the, it was the Holy Ghost that kept me going. It was the Holy Ghost that keeps me going. 
It's the Holy Ghost that moves and inspires and gives me power where the world tells me, you need to do this. This will make you feel better. I'll say, no, I don't need it. I've got God, and I don't need anything else to make me feel better. Michael was up here preaching. He said, what you need is a dose of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You don't need a drink. You don't need a pill. You don't need stuff that's going to fill your life that are just not adequate enough. Make you walk away from that place of intimidation, then suddenly feel as though you're a failure. No, the Lord has given you the Holy Spirit. And you don't need those things. You don't need it. It don't need to be in your life. You can let Jesus do something about it, and he will. He will. Oh, he will. How many here are walking, talking witnesses that you know that the Lord will do something about addictions and about stuff? And amen, the devil's trying to play a mind game, but the Lord is going to give you peace. Here we go. Another point, they said, by what power, by what name have you done this? What power? In other words, they're asking Peter and John, who do you represent? Let me ask you that this morning. Who do you represent? The most saddest thing is to have a salesman that doesn't believe in this product. You ever had someone try and talk to you? I had one guy trying to sell me something, and he was talking me out of it. I mean, he was just, I mean, really, he was just saying stuff like, well, you got to look out for this, this, that. I don't know. I'm not sure about this. And maybe this will work. Most of the time it works. I don't ever like to buy something that most of the time. <laughs> you know, I, I, want, I want a salesman to say all the time it works. It works. You plug it in. It will run. It will go. It will do what it's supposed to do. Who do you represent this morning? You don't represent some flawed manufacturer or some product that's going to eventually rust away or break away or fall apart. Who do you represent this morning? You don't even represent some type of group of ministers and head church people and you're following after them. And, and who do you represent? Who you represent is the one who sits upon the throne, the great I am, the water-walking, healing Jesus uh, who can do all things uh, through his name, hallelujah, who reigns supreme. He's who, he's, hallelujah, you represent him. Amen. Hot shot Googles, Google tech people. I'll tell you what, they get in the face of God, their name's going to be changed to Giggle. <laughs> Facebook's going to be changed to Wastebook. You know what I'm talking about? Nothing can measure up to the greatness of our God. It doesn't matter how much education you may have, how much training you may have, how rich you may be as the Sanhedrin was sitting there. And while they were sitting there, the judge, uh, Peter and John, there was a man who had the wiggles uh, that couldn't stand still because he had been healed by the name of Jesus Christ. Some of you need to get the wiggles. Some of you need to shake under the power of the Holy Ghost. Uh, you need to get outside of yourself. Get away from your bad self. Let God begin to do something in you. Matt Maddox, 
I get up and do it. You told me earlier how and where you get up there and you stand. It's got to be by the Holy Ghost. I get up and I'm in pain. I move, I'm in pain. But I've been lubricated by an oil this morning. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. My goodness, is, is there anybody excited about Jesus in this room? Anybody have been moved out of the area arena of intimidation and realized that the Lord has given you victory? Hallelujah. My goodness. Hallelujah. By what power? Oh, boy, did they open things up, didn't they? Yeah. You don't ask a Holy Ghost-filled person an open-ended question because they're going to give an answer. They handed Peter the cordless mic. You don't hand Peter the cordless mic. I learned a long time ago in services, somebody want to say something, I don't know them, and I've got the microphone, I go up to them, but I hold on to the microphone because I've known some pastors that are sorry because they handed over the microphone and couldn't get it back. Peter got the microphone and he says, I'm going to tell you something. You builders who have rejected this man Jesus, that now this man Jesus, oh, he's become the chief. He's the chief. He's the, I know, I know it says cornerstone, but I'm going to say chief. I like the word chief, the most important, the most vital. What you build upon, while you measure by, what you construct by, the chief. You rejected the chief. You rejected him. And he declares and he says, the one you rejected and killed has become the chief. And there's salvation in, in no one else but him. And never will there be any other. You might want to teach your children this. You who get old enough to be a grandparent, and you will eventually, Jesus tarries. You might want to teach your children, your grandchildren this. There is no other by which you could be saved but by the name of Jesus Christ. Be solid. Be convinced. Show them the way. Speak the truth. There's a lie that's trying to creep within what is called the progressive church and keeps etching and chipping away biblical truths of salvation. I'm telling you right now, make up your mind and teach your children. Show them the word. Open the Bible. Read to them and let them know this is what God says and that Jesus is the way. It's not Muhammad. It's not Buddha. It's not transcendental meditation. It's not any other new age thought. But there's only one and his name is Jesus. I'm not talking about in political sense to keep an American tradition I'm talking about keeping the truth because the truth is the only thing that will make you free yeah. because you and I know and I'm going to declare this to you whatever happens to America I don't know but I'm free and I've not been freed by a patriot I've been freed by the son of God 
they were people who were free under the under Rome, Roman Empire, but they were still under occupation. But those people were still free because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, because of him. Now, please, don't misunderstand me. Do the right thing. Think and vote the right way and, and do according to the scripture and the word of God. But our foundation is built upon Jesus, upon the truth of him, and the apostles knew it. That's why they walked out of the prison, not intimidated, but full of the Holy Ghost because they believe in Christ. Now, I, I, I got to move on. Now, there's something we realize here that when he spoke, that the Sanhedrin court, they talked to each other, and so they marveled. First of all, they identified saying, these guys have been with Jesus. Can you be identified as being with Jesus? One of his disciples? You know how you identify, don't you? You talk like Jesus. You walk like Jesus. You act like Jesus. I mean, really, it's just Jesus and him. And, and people will see, yeah, uh, they, uh, they will identify you as being one of those Jesus followers. And the world needs to see that. The world needs to see that. Now, when, but when they saw the boldness, they marveled. Now, you can see and hear boldness. In verses 19 and 20 in the Amplified Bible in the same chapter, but Peter and John replied to them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you and obey you rather than God, you must judge for yourselves. For we on our part cannot stop telling people about what we have seen and heard. Have you stopped telling people? Have you stopped telling people what you've seen and heard? Have you been silent? If you've been silent, then you're accomplishing what the enemy wants you to do, to be silent. But if you open your mouth and be bold with the love of God and living a life that people will see Jesus and hear Jesus in you, amen, then you're fulfilling the will of God in your life. Boldness, they saw the boldness, and they saw it, and they heard the boldness. You can't be a silent partner. You can't be a silent partner. Don't you understand? So many people wonder, why am I so defeated? Well, are you silent? You're defeated because you're silent. Something becomes very real because you talk about it. Whether you're going on vacation, you've probably already talked about it. Because it's real. You're making it relevant, real in your life. So I'm telling you, don't be a silent partner. You can't be. You can't help but speak those things which you've seen and heard. When you first got saved, somebody had to tell you you knew it, and sometimes they don't, you don't even have to tell them. We give them instruction, now go tell someone that you found Jesus, that you're a Christian. To be verbal, to be, have a bold confession about your faith. Have you told your coworkers? Have you witnessed to some of your family members? Have you talked to people around you about Jesus that they know that you are a child of God? So this boldness, you can't be a silent partner. A partner taking no, a silent partner is a partner taking no active part in the conduct of the business. But that's not God's plan. You take an active part into the business. Look at verse 23 through 26.
and being let go after the sermon illustration was standing in front of them they couldn't do anything about it this demonstration and being let go they went to their own com companions oh here we go church is not a club church is where you have companions it's deeper than membership it's where the Lord has placed you and it's family well, family may have problems along the way, but family. And the truth is that this isn't just a simple, some people treat church like it's a club. I don't really like the club, and I don't think I want to stay, so I'm going to go join this other club. This other club has more opportunity, so I'm going to go join there. Listen, let me tell you, somewhere else is not your answer. If you feel like there's a need for somewhere else in this place, then what it is God's telling you, really he's telling you individually and personally, you need to go deeper. That there's an inward problem and spiritual need within you and going somewhere else is not going to solve that spiritual need. Because we serve the same master. We follow the same Lord. And so therefore God has placed you among companions. Companions. So they went back and to their companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they had heard that, they raised their voice to God in one accord. See, this is what companions do. We pray for one another. We encourage one another. We overlook one another. We give the, each other the benefit of the doubt. We love one another, so therefore we're companions. And so they went and what they do? Somebody said, well, we need to get a following here. And we need to march against this temple. We need to get a hold of Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and ride them out of town on a rail. No, they got together. You know what they did? They prayed. They prayed and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and sea and, and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David said, Why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things? This is where we're at. This is where we're at. As David declared and said that, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? There's vanity all around us. There's vanity in the White House, vanity in the Senate, vanity in Congress. There's vanity all around. There's people on their own agenda and what they want to do. They're plotting and playing the game. So the best thing we can do is let's not get caught up in it. Let's discover the calling God has placed in our life. That's where the anointing of the Holy Ghost is. It's in our calling, in our commission, and what God wants us to do that we become kingdom-minded. But this is why the heathen rage. And they're going to keep on raging. They're going to keep on raging. That's why we can get a president in for four years and suddenly it's four years is over and then here we go. Oh my gosh, they have stored up for the next season. Do you understand what I'm saying here? It's going to take God for us to believe in him and trust in him. Because I'd rather trust in God than man any day. Don't you dare serve God because of me. You serve God because you know him and you love him. 
and you follow him. I'm put in place as a shepherd, but I'm not supposed to be your savior. I'm just a shepherd, but there is one who sits on the throne who has redeemed you of your sins and, and have filled you with the Holy Ghost and is guiding the steps of your life. Put your trust in him. Put your trust in him. And some of you may wonder, did you vote? Yeah, I did. I won't say how, but I voted. Well, yeah, I did. I voted according to Scripture, okay? That's the only basis I go by, Scripture. Otherwise, forget it. It's all circus. <laughs> yeah, it's an untoward generation. They're confused. They don't know where they're going. But we know where we're going, don't we? Do you know where you're going? Do you know where you're heading? They talk about having a five-year plan for your life. Well, yeah, I got a five-year plan, but I also got a plan for forever plan. Uh, I will never forget when I was selling insurance. I worked for a company several years ago in Cincinnati that was a debit company. What well, it was, you went door to door and you made prospects and then eventually began to gather prospects, come back and maybe sell some new policies, but I also collected from people. I, my area happened to be close to where my church was. It was a miracle of God. God made my church grow because I took that job. Because somehow that I kept on doing the, the Jesus thing, you know. I knocked on the door. They were screaming and hollering the bad part of town, screaming, hollering at each other, this man and woman, screaming, cussing, raring. And I knocked on the door. I said, God, give me boldness. I knocked on the door, and they stopped. And a woman says, who is it? I just thought, well, I'm your insurance man. She paused for a moment, quiet. She says, we don't have insurance. What are you selling? I said, well, I'll tell you what. I meant that it really happened. I said, I'm selling life insurance, and I also have eternal life insurance, if you'd like that. And all of a sudden, the door cracked open. I went inside that home. I talked to Rick and Fran. They gave their heart to Jesus. They went to my church. I baptized them. Rick's went on to be with the Lord, but the fact is, is that, praise God, I tell you, Take your business and do Jesus' business. Uh, do your work and do Jesus' work. Uh, go to class and teach Jesus and share the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You don't need a Savior if you don't want to talk about him. You don't need a Savior if you just want to play around and be around the edge and on the fringes. But you and I have a Savior that I want to sell all to him. I want to give all to him. I want to sacrifice all to him because he he is everything. He's everything. Now, usually I don't like referring to myself, but hey, I thought that was kind of funny. It's one of those great God moments. Have you had God moments in your life? Hey, there's still more out there. There's still more out there. Go claim them. Go claim them in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, He spoke with boldness when they prayed. I'm going to close with this. Verse 29, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through 
the name of your holy servant Jesus and when they had prayed the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness the Greek word boldness is parousia meaning tell all to pour it out like pouring out water out of a cup it's, it's having free speech you have free speech even if the laws of the land say that you don't and you cannot you've been given free speech by the power of God and the Holy Spirit and by his word hallelujah hallelujah now you may ask today the worship team come on up you may ask today I'm going to move forward I have more but you may ask today pastor how can I be bold how can I be bold I'm going to give you an answer for that the worship team just starts singing for a moment and would you just stand with me now, Lord, I thank you for the Spirit moving. And I know, Lord, that 